Our passage is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 6, verses 5 through 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. This is God's word. When my son Christopher was about four years old, his mother was putting him to bed and she would lay in a bed near him and he'd be the other side of the room. Karen wasn't feeling very well that night and Christopher knew that, so he said, Mommy, I want to pray for you. And she said, yeah, thank you. And so he prayed, dear God, make mommy feel better. And there was this pause. And all of a sudden, Christopher deepened his voice and went, okay. <laughs> he quickly responded, mommy, mommy, did you hear that? God said, okay. <laughs> I've been waiting for years to use that illustration. <laughs> But it raises the question, what is prayer about? Are, are we deluding ourselves? Do we, is prayer about some sense of self-wish fulfillment? People view prayer in very different ways. Many who don't believe say prayer is empty words to empty space. Others see it as wishful thinking or the power of positive thinking. Many Christians See, prayer as the key that opens the storehouse of God's treasures for us. For the longest time, I would define prayer as speaking to God. As I've studied this prayer, I've seen more and more that prayer, its very very essence is intimacy with God. It's coming close to God. It's drawing near to God. It's communion with God. And that out of that union, that communion with God, grows a union with God, whereby we pray God's will, God's way, God's mind. So over the next few weeks, that's what we'll be doing, exploring this prayer that's been called uh, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. And we're going to see that 
As Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, that prayer is about intimacy with God. It's about communion and then union. Let's pray. Our Father, transform us to see prayer for your purpose. Work in us through these weeks to truly understand the depths and the widths, the breadth of this prayer. We will fall far short in understanding, but Lord, if you just give us some nuggets of this, you will, by your Spirit, enhance our prayer lives, and most of all, I pray, enhance our closeness with you. In Christ we pray. Amen. What we're going to do this morning is look at really three words in this prayer. Father, in heaven, and our. And we're going to see that within each of these words and in the context that this prayer is given, that prayer is truly about intimacy with God. Uh, This prayer is, Jesus teaches this prayer in two places, once in Luke and once in the book of Matthew. And as we look at the context, we see in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus, in response to that, offers this Lord, the Lord's Prayer. So, the disciples asked this question because they saw Jesus praying. Jesus wasn't just praying once, and they said, wow, that's novel. They saw that Jesus' life was filled with prayer. Just in Luke itself, we have Jesus praying at his baptism. Jesus beginning his ministry by by going out into the wilderness and fasting and praying for 40 days. Jesus spends a whole night in prayer before he chooses his disciples. He goes off to pray after some healing times so he himself can be refreshed in his ministry. When he starts the glory in the Holy Spirit, he prays. When he is transfigured into the glory <clears throat> that he has before his three most, his closest disciples, he is praying. He prays for Peter's restoration before he even falls. He prays that the disciples wouldn't enter into temptation. He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays that God's will will be done. He goes to the cross and he is praying from the cross. After the cross, He breaks bread with his disciples and he prays over that. And as he sends out his disciples and commissions them, he is praying for them. In addition to this time where they saw that Jesus had been praying and it so moved them because they saw prayer was essential to the life of Jesus Christ. Now, if Jesus is the son of God and he is. And yet he spent his life in prayer. What does that say about us who are not divine? (laughs) The prayer life of Jesus Christ so motivated the disciples, they said, we need to know how to pray. 
the prayer life of Jesus Christ should move us to say we need to know how to pray. We need to understand what prayer is all about. And what was prayer all about for Jesus? It was about intimacy with the Father. That's when he would spend his closest times with the Father. He had to go off and pray because his entire existence, his entire pre-incarnate life, his entire incarnate life was all about intimacy with the Father, union with the Father. And so through his prayer, he draws close to God. He expresses his dependence upon God, and he comes into union with God. That's what prayer was all about for Jesus. In the book of Matthew, we read the context there, and Jesus is clearing up misconceptions about prayer. We all have misconceptions about prayer, but there are two that are highlighted in Matthew. The first is that prayer for some is really about showing how spiritual you are. If I pray a lot, that means I'm really spiritual. And if I pray a lot and I have really great prayers, stained glass prayers, people will be impressed with how spiritual I am. And Jesus says, don't don't be like that. And then there's the others who make prayer about getting things. And Jesus says, People pray and they think if they use a lot of words, then somehow that's going to get God to say, wow, I'm really impressed by how passionate he is about how many words he or she uses. And so I'm going to give them their request because of how long their prayers are. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not what it's about. It's about you and God. See, You go into your room, and in secret, you pray to the Father. What does that mean? It's not about other people. It's about you and God coming together. And we see, by the first words he uses in the prayer, Father, that prayer is about getting close to God. This was a very, very intimate term. And Joachim Jeremias, who is the foremost New Testament scholar in the Old Testament, did intensive studies on the Lord's Prayer. And he concludes first that because Jesus is teaching this prayer in Aramaic, he's convinced that this word is the word Abba, which Paul uses in in Romans and in Galatians. Abba expresses a closeness to God, very familiar to us that we often use in the term daddy, dad, pop. He isn't just some distant God, but he is close to us. Uh, Jeremiah said this, With the help of my assistance, I examined the prayer literature of ancient Judaism of course, the whole Old Testament also, the result of this examination was that in no place in this immense literature is this invocation of God as Abba to be found. And he continues elsewhere. We can see from all this why God is not addressed as Abba in Jewish prayers. 
To the Jewish mind, it would be disrespectful and therefore inconceivable to address God with this familiar word. For Jesus to venture to take this step was something new and unheard of. He spoke to God like a child to its father, simply, inwardly, confidently. Jesus' use of Abba in addressing God reveals the heart of his relationship with God. Abba, closeness. But the amazing thing is Jesus teaches his disciples, believers in him, to use the same word, to call us into that same level of intimacy. Michael Reeves, a theologian, British theologian, said, when we use the word Abba, we are carried by Christ into the middle of the Trinity. When we use the word Father, we are carried by Christ, Christ having us to use that word, into the middle of the Trinity. What does he mean by that? Well, let's go back to the relationship that is occurring between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And John chapter 17 gives us a window into that relationship. And it shows us that from eternity past, before creation ever was, God was enjoying, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit were enjoying a perfect and complete love relationship where each revolved around the other, each other, depended upon each other, championed each other, looked out for each other's interests. They were all about the others in this joy of love. So when God creates, he is a God of love, so he creates not to get, but he creates to give. His, he wants others to enjoy the experience that he has among himself. I often liken this to a divine party. So God's experienced this perfect party. He doesn't need anyone else, yet he invites others into it. If you had the perfect party, why would you invite someone in? It'd be so they could experience what you're experiencing. So that's why God creates. He wants us in the middle of the Trinity. That closeness with God himself. Reeves says, by saying our Father, just like Jesus did, Abba, he's calling us into that, the, the depths of that love relationship. That's what prayer is all about. In this use of the word Father, we also get a deeper understanding of who God is. As we already saw in Jeremiah's quote, that the, the Jewish people of that time would never say Abba. Because for God, for them, God is the holy other. He is so transcendent. It would be irreverent to embrace God as though he was your dad. Jesus gives a whole new understanding of who God is. God is a father. He's not some distant potentate who is a taskmaster. He is a father who loves us. 
He is not a deistic God who created and sits back and says, well, let's see how it all unfolds for you. He's the Father who cares. He is not this God who created a world that is so broken today, we all long for for a transformation of our world. He's a father who intimately cares for that world. So we can begin by looking at the world, like a lot of people do, and say, oh, look at the horrors around every, every corner of this globe. What kind of God do we have? Seems like he doesn't care. But we can begin our prayers with Father and know that we have a loving God who cares about us, who cares about everybody, who cares about this world. Something is wrong with this world. But my Father still loves it. He loves it so much he sent his Son to die so that this world could be transformed again. See, we begin to understand who this God is. Ray Steadman, pastor, uh, said this in a sermon. The word father answers all the philosophical questions about the nature of God. A father is a person. Therefore, God is not a blind force behind the inscrutable machinery of the universe. A father is able to hear. And God is not simply an impersonal being, aloof from our troubles and our problems. And above all, a father is predisposed by his love and relationship to give a careful, attentive ear to what his child says. God is this way. From a father, a child can surely expect a reply. Jesus says, begin your prayer with Father. But not just any Father. The one who has called us into the greatest and deepest intimacy of all. In John 17, which I said was a window into the eternal relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus prays this. He says, I pray that my disciples and all who follow them, all believers, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Hear that? See, Jesus wants us to experience his joy. What's that joy? His relationship in, with, in love with Father and the Son of the Spirit. That's what he's called us into. He prays also, I want the world to know that you sent me and you loved them, that he loved us, just, Father, as you loved me. Hear those words? He's saying, Father, you love them. God loves us in the same way he loves Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Do you experience that? Do you believe that? The word Father brings us into that experience. That's what prayer, the, the core of prayer is to be about. He is Father, but he is Father in heaven. 
He's different than earthly fathers. He's similar in some ways, but he's different in other ways. Because he is a father who is in heaven, though he is here and he he sent his son and God himself was incarnate in that son. We need to also realize, though he is imminent, he, he is transcendent. See, the problem the Jewish people had was God was so transcendent, they couldn't really get imminent. Uh, intimate. The problem our culture has today is they want God to be so imminent, so close, they forget that God is transcendent. He's our Father, but He is in heaven. And when you forget that God is transcendent, you begin to think you can control God, you can make Him to be what He is like, because God is love. As one of Karen's students said to her, because God is love, he wants me to be happy, therefore I can do whatever I think will make me feel happy. See, she's redefined God because he's so close, but she has forgotten that he is a God who is in heaven, who is holy. He is not like earthly fathers who will fail us, He's not like earthly fathers who maybe want to provide but are unable to provide. He says later in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you ask God for a fish, he's not going to give you a serpent, is he? You ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. He says, if your fathers being evil know how to give what is good, how much more so your heavenly father will give to those who ask. So he is a father who is perfect. He's not dysfunctional in any way. He can give, he desires to give, and he knows what to give us. My earthly father could care a lot, he could want to give me, but did he know really what I should be given and what I should not be given? Our heavenly father does know. We need to realize, as Isaiah says, as far as the heavens is above the earth, so my thoughts are above your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord, for the heavens are higher than the earth, as are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we realize God is in heaven, we say, We can't expect God, and we shouldn't want God to run the world the way we would like it to be run, because he knows so much more. He has a heavenly perspective. He knows what has been, what is. Everywhere in the world, he knows what will be. He knows what life is all about. He created it. Therefore, as he leads us in his commands, we can trust him And know that his commands are good and they are the right way. A father who knows everything, who is our guide and our director. Should we create God according to our own image? Or should we let God be God? Such a God who loves us and leads us like the shepherd.
When Jesus says, Father, he is crying out. Prayer is about relationship. When he says, our Father in heaven, he wants to make certain we understand who that God is. Also, when he says, Father, he shares with us our identity. Who am I is a question that's been asked throughout the ages. It's still asked today. Who, who am I? I am not to be defined by my possessions, my education, my family, how many toys I have, what prestige I have. I'm not to be de- defined by the color of my skin, my nationality, my sexual prowess or my sexual preferences. Who am I? When we pray, Father, we say, I am God's. A Casting Crowns has a song called, Who Am I? It goes like this. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name? would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light my way for my ever-wandering heart? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean a vapor in the wind. Still you hear me when I'm calling. Lord, you catch me when I'm falling. And you told me who I am. I am yours. I am yours. When we pray, Father, we come to realize not only who God is, but who we are. We are God's children as believers. We are God's own possession. Intimacy is between two. We know who he is, and now we know who we are. And we come to him with the same confidence that Jesus could come with him. Because as God looks at believers, he sees Christ. He's forgiven us our sins, and he sees, has offered, given us the righteousness of Christ. That's who I am. Our Father who art in heaven, our. Now at first glance it looks like, oh, he didn't pray my Father. Isn't that the more intimate terminology? If you should have said my Father, then, okay, that speaks of the closeness, but instead he says our Father. I believe one of the reasons for that goes back to the Trinity. Remember we talked about God having the divine party with love and where we treasure each other. And we're invited, I, Bruce, am invited into that party. And so what's going on there? Loving, glorifying, honoring, centering my life around God. But you're in that party too. 
So how am I to relate to you? Am I to ignore you and it's, it's just about me and God? Is that what God's divine party is all about? No, he's divided you into that relationship for that intimacy with him. But we are to relate to each other in the same way that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relate to each other. We are to consider one another more important than ourselves. We are to love one another. You think of God's command when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, to love God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And there's a second just like it, equal to it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. You see, God isn't just about me and him. He is about we and him. And we is about us with each other. First John said, if we say we love God and hate our brother, we are liars. It's impossible because our relationship with God is expressed also by our relationship in the way we love each other. See, God is a community, and so he is all about community. So it isn't just me praying to God. It is we together being one coming before God. And that's one of the reasons when we pray, we shouldn't, we don't just make it about ourselves. We are expressing the concerns and the heart and the pleas of each other as we invest ourselves in each other's lives. We begin our series on the Lord's Prayer. Today, I pray that we've gained a new or refreshed picture of prayer as really being about relationship. First, relationship with God. Closeness, but also reverence and worship. Trust. Trusting ourselves into the hands of the Father, but a Father who is in heaven, who knows everything and knows the way. And it's a reminder that prayer is about more than just us and our relationship with God, but our closeness as the body of Jesus Christ, our concerns for one another. That's why at the end of the prayer, Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you because our relationship is central to him as well. Jeffrey Imbush said this, prayer is essentially the expression of our heart longing for love. It's not so much the listing of a request, but the breathing of our own deepest request to be united with God as fully as possible. That's what our hearts long for, that union with God. And it's experienced first and foremost through prayer, joining our hearts with his, and through the word of God speaking to us, because that's ultimately what the scripture's about. Our Father, 
May we not use those words lightly ever. May they be resonate each time we pray them of who you are. That we have come into the presence of God of the universe who loves us so greatly. So that prayer is first this union, this closeness to you. Then out of that, we express the very heart of God and Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray, amen.